Romans 12. Romans 12, we said two ongoing processes. Verse 1, we're always living sacrifices, so we're living, but at the same time, we're always dying. And then we said in verse 2, we're always not conforming, but we're always transforming at the same time. And it's, it's a, kind of an oxymoron or a paradox, isn't it? We're doing both of those things that are the opposite of one another, and we're doing them at the same time. Why does that matter? Because here's what the matter is. And you think after 12, 1 and 2 that the applications might be different, but they're not. The applications of this vertical thing going on in our lives, these processes of our salvation to make us into what we ought to be. In fact, let me say it this way. 12, 1 and 2 are verses about being. And chapter 12, verse 3, verse 21 is about doing. And so let me just frame it for you. All that we're going to say and these few minutes tonight that we have to talk about the rest of the chapter, which won't do it justice, you have to understand that none of the things we're going to talk about tonight you could ever do if you are not being one and two. If you're not verses one and two, and you're not being those things, and those processes aren't ongoing and continuous in your life, you won't be able to do anything in the next few verses afterwards. So that's number one and, and crucial. Number two is, if you look at 12, three through eight, you'll notice and through the rest of the chapter, that it breaks down for us that there are five, a number of four exactly, one another verses. 12.5 reads this way. And you want to underline these. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members, here it is, one of another. So here's the application. What is being a living sacrifice for? Why do I not conform to the world and constantly being transformed? Here it is. So that I can have a right relationship and impact on others inside this community. That's where the one another passages come from. The next one is in verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another prefer is the word. Prefer one another in showing honor. In other words, here's what you're going to do. You're going to fight each other to see if you can honor someone else more than they honor you. And that's not common anymore, is it? But that's another one. And then, and then also you can see it again there in chapter 10, uh, verse 10 again. I lost my place here. Yeah, there it is. Outdo one another. Love one another. Outdo one another. And then also verse 16, which reads, live in harmony with one another. So you put the one another's together. And so you know what he's looking for? See, living sacrifices, non-conforming, transforming, it should impact your relationship with people inside the community. But that's not it. That's not all, as good as that is and important as it is. Then he also sprinkles in a number. What do you do with people outside your community? What do you do with people in the world that you're trying not to conform to? What kind of response is that going to be? Well, some of them, it says, in verse 14, are going to persecute you. And some of them are going to curse you. And they're going to repay, they're going to do evil to you. So you got people inside the church that you're a living sacrifice for. And you got people outside the church that you need to be a living sacrifice for. And the way that you respond to them is to be that kind of person that you need to be. Now, one of the themes in this passage, and this is my, if you want to write it down, we have no way we can develop it. It probably should be a series on its own is that there is a theme that goes on in this passage, and truthfully, I'm going to show you all through the book of Romans, and it's good versus evil. This is why we started with Isaiah 5.20 tonight. Let me show you them in our text. Chapter 12 and verse 9, in the practical section, there are 13 
imperatives of commands of things for you to do in verses 9 through 13 if you are a living sacrifice. Here's what you do. First one is let love be genuine. And then here it is. Circle them in your Bible, mark them down, study them further on your own. It's the good-evil contrast. Remember we said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Now watch. Part of being able to discern the will of God, verse 2, as a living sacrifice, is you have to know the difference between the two of them. What is good and evil? And it's become radically blurred and unday, our day. And even for some Christians, it's unclear good and evil. In fact, See this in your mind as the very first sin of Adam and Eve tempted by Satan. What's the knowledge of good and evil? The tree. And what was the point? Is God defines good and evil. And they wanted to eat from the tree so that they could define it. Is that not the root of what happens in our culture today? Everything we listed today that you said is a result of that first sin. It's been Satan's goal all along from the very beginning. And all of these thousands of years later, he's still doing the same thing. He wants people to believe that they don't need God to define good and evil because they can define it themselves. And this is why we're in the mess that we're in. And Paul says, as living sacrifices, you should be able to know the difference. And so he says, let's circle them, 12.9. He says, abhor what is evil. Abhor is a Greek word which means violently be against it. And actually violence at times, he's not asking for violence, but he's saying this is how strong against this evil you ought to be. It ought to abhor. Abortion should make you abhorred. It should. So should all the perversion and sinfulness and wickedness and the evil of our day. Abhor it violently, dramatically, radically against it. He says, but on the contrast, watch. He says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to that which is good. So push this away violently, hold on to this. So see this action, this to evil, this to good. And the word actually in the it's the word for cement or glue. Can you believe that? That's what the word's used for. In other words, stick to good like glue. And we've got to do that in our culture. So he says, see that? Now watch, that's the beginning of the practical section. But look at the middle of the practical section. Verse 17. Repay, no, here's our word. Repay no one evil for evil, but, see the contrast always between evil and good, but... Give thought. Remember our minds? See all these applications of thinking, renewing our minds? He says, but instead, give thought to do what is honorable, and the word is good. Do what is good in the sight of all. So it's, listen, we are people who know good from evil. We live good from evil, and the impact is we're not to do it in secret. We're to do it in public, where we're doing it on purpose so see, people can see that we're different. Not because we're superior, but we're different. Remember Matthew 5, 16? Does anybody know it by heart? I'll start it. Let your light so shine. Where? Before men. Before men publicly. That they may see your good works. And what? Yes, yeah, so when you live differently, what's the point? That you can say, oh yeah, Lynn is different. No, the goal of it is, is that when they look at Lynn or any of us, that they would glorify God, that they would see, oh, that's God. 
That's what he's like. See, so in the middle, the beginning of this section, contrasting good and evil. The middle of this section, contrasting good and evil. And then he says, let me summarize the passage at the end in the last verse. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, see it? But overcome evil with good. So you know know what he's saying? See, here's the point of the Christian life. You be a living sacrifice, constantly living and dying to yourself. And let that transformation be negative against the world, not conforming there, but transforming. You think differently, you live differently. Listen, and what did he even say? That you may do the will of God. What's the adjective describing it? Good. And what do we learn from this passage? Good meaning what? Good and not evil. See, God's will is good, not evil. And then he says, in every way possible in your community, inside the community, the church, outside community, you are to be a good people and not an evil people. Now, I don't have the time tonight, but I, I, here's what you do. You go look up the word good and evil in the book of Romans, and you'll find this, that evil is used 11 times and good is used 20 t- 24 times, and it's used in seven chapters together and 12 chapters apart, which means this, that it's all throughout the book from the beginning to the end, and you can almost look at it in some ways as a, a, a sub-theme, but an important one in Romans, is here's how you live in Rome, remember Rome? It was, tw- it was first century America. Nero, who had his own family killed, was, had numerous homosexual relationships with little boys and all kinds of perversion. He was the king of it, right? And that's the kind of, the, the emperor, that's the kind of culture they lived in. Caesar worship, it, it was rampant. Babies were left out. Abortion, by the way, read, I have a first century, abor- it was rampant abortion was in first century Rome. If you had a child, they found there was places in the center squares of towns where they would take babies that were just born and they would wrap them up and leave them on the fountain. And if you wanted to pick them up, you could. And if you didn't, they just died. That was first century Rome. And he says, in that kind of culture, here's what you do. You are good in the middle of evil radically good against the kind of evil that should make you feel abhorrent against it. But what we need to, listen to this quote. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said this, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. See, it's easy, isn't it? Look at the world and say, ah, look at those people in politics. Look at that. Look at those people in power and position. The evil, the evil, the evil. And you know what Solzhenitsyn says? He goes, don't do that only. He goes, because you know what? The line between good and evil, it passes through every human heart. Don't think that it's just the world that struggles. We all do. We all do. And here's what Paul says. Living sacrifices are people who live good in an evil world. And they do it publicly. And they do it, listen, inside the church and outside the church. So how do you respond? Well, there's so many different ones in our text that we could point to. uh, But we're going to take one. Because I think it's prominent. And I want to show you, and and it's chapter 12 and verse 17. I'll start there with our last part of our text uh, time tonight. Here's the response. Let me go back and start verse 14. Now watch. These are responses to outside community people who want to attack you. So 
You think this isn't going to happen, but I'm telling you, it is around the corner. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now, number one, you people know, our, our people know the Bible well, right? Who is Paul quoting or, tra- you know, kind of quoting? Who, is, who says that? Who said that first? Yes, Jesus, right? So Paul's got Jesus in mind. Bless them who curse you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Remember the not but construction we talked about in this whole chapter? Not this, but this, the six of them. That's in the context of where we are. But associate with the lowly. Never, and that is The strongest way you can say, it's a double negative in Greek. It's no, no in a row. Never, never do this. This this is how we never respond like this. Never be wise in your own sight. Don't think that you're better. Don't think that you're, you're smart and they're, don't, see, don't think that way. Don't be conceited because you have the right positions and the right views. Here it is. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to those to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And here it is, ready? Beloved, never, there it is again, see it? Never, second double negative, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, that is a Deuteronomy quote. So let me break it down for you, and then we're going to turn to one more verse. I'm going to flip the coin on you. Here's what he says. When you are persecuted, when you are cursed, when you are given, treated evil because you think that women shouldn't have the choice to kill babies, when you think it's wrong and, and, and you won't, and, and in your mind and conscience you say, I can't call you Steve when you're really Kim. I can't say, I can't attend, I love you, but I can't attend your marriage because I don't believe that two women should be married. When you're making these choices and you're taking stands in public, even when it's becoming illegal to do so, and it will be, how do you do it? Well, here's what he says. He says, never, ever avenge yourself. When they treat you horribly, you don't retreat them. You don't treat them the same way. Why? Because remember the last verse? We don't overcome evil with evil, do we? We don't repay evil for evil. We don't overcome evil with evil. Because we are good people, gospel good people. And we want to show the difference. And here's what he says You need to do this leave room for wrath. It's a word in the Greek, two words actually, give place. King James, New King James says, give place, which is actually better. Although it doesn't make as much sense today. But give place is better. It's used a couple different places, even once in Romans. And some translations, probably the best, is opportunity. Here's what he says. When you're attacked verbally or even violently, here's what you do. You make 
it, give God an opportunity to him to judge people and condemn people and, 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 and control the situation or repay, pay them for the evil that they're talking about you were doing. Here's what he says. Leave room. Give God the opportunity. Don't try to get so angry and so upset because their views are so wild and they're attacking you. And, and, and listen, you take it personally and then you just want to pour out your wrath on them because their, their views are so awful and anti-biblical. He says, here's what you do. Don't ever take it in your own hands. First and foremost, put it in God's hands. Give opportunity for God and his timing and his wrath to take care of that situation. And then he quotes this, vengeance. See, isn't that part of our world? Let me tell you another good and evil contrast. You know what it is? Our world says this. When somebody does something mean to you, you do something mean back. They say awful things to you, you do awful things. You're on Facebook or some social media, and this is what someone says to you, and then you say something right back. I'm sure none of us in here would ever do that, right? But see, here's what the scripture says, we never do that. Categorically, never. Never. That's why you have to be very careful. I would strongly consider you, tell you, don't be on social media at all. That would be my preference. But if you have to be on it, you better guard yourself because that's not the people we are. We are the gospel good people. It doesn't mean we don't believe things and it doesn't mean that you don't stand up at times for things. But I can tell you this, social media ain't the place, right? So here's what he says. Never do that, but instead give place to the wrath of God. Let him take control. Remember what Joseph's brothers were afraid of? When their dad died, and in Genesis 50, Joseph was still in power, and they thought, oh yeah, he's been nice to us all this time because dad's here. But now that dad's off the scene, here's what, he's going to really give it to us for the evil that we did to him. Watch. And he uses the word good and evil. Genesis 50, 19, and 20. He says, First of all, he says, am I in the place, the place of God? Here's what he did. He left place for God. See, he didn't take the judgment call. He says, am I in God's place? Am I the ruler? Am I the judge? Am I the one that's going to condemn you? No. Now watch, watch. This is the crazy twisted thing in our world. The world thinks, oh, stop judging me. I'm not judging you and condemning you to hell. I don't, that's not my job. But I am going to speak the truth and tell you you're wrong because just what, listen, listen to what Joseph does. He doesn't condemn them or he doesn't say, I'm not in a place where, like God who's going to judge you. Here's what he says. But you meant it for evil. He didn't, sh- he didn't say, not say that. Not, judging people doesn't mean I don't tell you, hey, I hate to tell you, abortion's still evil. It's between you and God. Someday if you don't repent, you will stand before him. But that's between you and him. But I can tell you this, it's still wrong. Here's what Joseph said. What you did to me, you meant it for evil, purposely meant it for evil, but God meant it for, see the good and evil? See, he said, oh God, I'm not my brother's judge in that final sense, but you are, but I'm still gonna call it out. It's still wrong and evil what they did. But let me tell you this, how do you, can you do that? Because in the same Hebrew verb, here's what it says, meant it for evil, you purposed it, but in contrast, God meant it for good. Not allowed it for good, meant it. You purposed it, God purposed it, and guess whose purpose is ruled out in the end? God's. 
And Joseph left room for it to happen, and God took care of it. The only other time I can tell you in a major way that little verb give place to opportunity is used. Let me show you. It's about wrath, and it's the other side of the coin, and with this we'll close. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to show you the similarity of what we've been talking about. Remember we said when you become a Christian, one of the first things that changes and you all testify to it, you're thinking. Ephesians 4, 22, 21 Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, meaning Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus, here's what happens when you get saved. See, changes take place. You put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And then verse 24, you put on the new self created in the likeness of God. But what is the bridge between the old man putting off and the new man? How do you get changed? Verse 23 says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Bible, through the spirit of God, changes your thinking. And then he says, let me show you in practical ways what that would look like. So he does. Therefore, watch. Remember the words put on, put away? Now he's going to use them. 25, put away falsehood and speak truth. See the contrast? Don't lie. Speak the truth. Why? Because you are now, it matters, your relationship with other Christians to one another. It's, this, it's the horizontal part. He says, be angry, don't sin. Be, so, unsinful anger, not sinful anger. Ready? Verse 27. Give no opportunity to the devil. There it is. Don't be angry, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath. Don't give the devil place. Don't give him opportunity. So here's what Paul says, See? And both times, when you are tempted to be angry against others who have been sinful against you, here's what you do. Give God opportunity. Don't you get angry. Let him be angry. Flip it over on the other side. Give God place, but don't give Satan any place. See what he's saying? Give God place to handle your problems and people who come after you as a Christian. You do good. And if they, can, they try to come after you and do evil, here's what you do. You give God place. But here's what you don't do in your anger. He says, ready? Don't sinfully anger because when you do and you leave God out and don't give him an opportunity, you don't give God place, here's what happens. You're going to give Satan place. When you don't say, God, come in and handle this, if you're not saying that, here's what you're saying. Ready? Satan, you're going to come in and handle it. See, both sides of the equation work. He says, here's what's the problem with anger. It's be angry and sin not. Don't give opportunity to the devil to get a foothold in your life. And I have seen it too many times, please hear me, of people who are out of control in their responses and they, their anger is so quick and so fast. James says, be quick to hear. Finish it. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Did you notice how speaking and angry go together? Let me modernize it. Ready? Be quick to turn your computer off. Oh, did I say that? Be quick to, what, slow to speak on the internet. Be slow to wrath. Change your expectations. We should expect cursing, Persecution, opposition, 
evil, expect it. That's what it ought to be. And we bless and we rejoice. How is that possible? Because we're giving God opportunity and not giving Satan opportunity. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. And so how do we respond? And there's more, there's more we could do. But I wanted to bring that one out because I think it was foremost in our minds. See, if we're the good people, the gospel good people, saved people. Remember back at the beginning? Gospel good is mercy. The ones that God's lavished his mercy on. And if he's done that, he's making you into a certain kind of person. A living sacrifice kind of person. A person who is not conforming to the world in the way that they hold their anger and wrath or the way they respond to people. We're the different kind of people in our culture. Go through on your own and the rest of it and see the good and evil contrast. And with this, I'll read this and we'll pray. Romans, go back to the end, last verse of the chapter almost, of the book, I should say. Romans 16 Verse 19, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be, listen to this, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. He had to do it, just, he had to say it one more time. I want you, when it comes to evil, or, I mean, when it comes to good, I want you to be so wise that you teach your children and you think down and say, hey, see this situation at work? I'm going to ask God for his wisdom because it's my job as a gospel person who's been lavished. See, I have to think through with my new mind, biblically, how do I handle this situation in a wise way that demonstrates God's goodness? And at the same time, I want to be innocent. I don't want anyone to find anything. Ephesians 5, 4 that coarse jesting should not even be named among you, it says. I don't even want evil to touch me. I, I, I want to be innocent of it completely. See what he says? Good and evil. See, we are in an evil culture, in an evil country, in that sense. And we are gospel good people by God's grace. And it ought to show up in the way we live, our being, and in our doing inside the church and outside the church. Let's pray. Father, help us to make decisions that honor you at Faith Baptist Church amongst God's people. Listen, uh, God, not just good decisions, God decisions. Decisions that flow from your wisdom, a counter-cultural wisdom because we are a counter-cultural people. As I say too, so often, Lord, not odd different, God different. Because we think through issues differently. We respond differently to people inside this ministry and people outside this ministry because the change is going on. Because you're making us into a different kind of person a different kind of community. Because that's how we become salt and light for you. That's how we live on mission with you. That's how we replicate the life of Jesus in a world who so desperately needs to see what he's really like. Help us to be that Romans 12, 1 and 2 community for your glory, for the good of our people, and for the sake of the gospel for our world.
We ask in Jesus' name, amen.